is Your Working Life, a show that provides you with tools, inspiration, and resources so you can enjoy your career and love your life. I'm Caroline Dowd Higgins. I'm a career and executive coach. And on today's show, I welcome Terrence Stroud to the show. Terrence, welcome. Thank you so much for having me, Caroline. I'm really excited to be here. I'm excited too. Terrence, you are a government strategist, and today we're going to talk about so many juicy things, but particularly how to be successful when switching careers. And we know in this particular economic and job climate, people are switching quite a bit. But let's start right off the bat. You have an interesting philosophy, and you talk about fast-tracking a career. So Terrence, explain to me what that means. So fast tracking is a concept that has become very important in uh, our industry right now, in our career. One of the things that people are looking for right now is, regardless of what your industry is, what your field is, law, medicine, or engineering, more and more people are changing their careers. Uh, I think statistics have proven that regardless of about 10 years uh, out of your career, you will not be where you originally started uh, where you originally started. So one of the things that I focused on is what can you do to actually fast track your career? So one of the things that I found is you need two critical components. And people have spoken about it, but I wanted to kind of delve into it a little further. And you need to get yourself a mentor and you need to get a sponsor. I think when I was in school, I, I thought a lot about, I heard a lot about a mentor. And a mentor is a person that's there for you and kind of guides you along the path uh, and gives you that instruction and kind of challenges you to take you to the next level. But what a lot of people are seeing now, especially in Fortune 500 companies, is the importance of a sponsor. A sponsor is a person that will vouch for you at when you're not there. They're the person that has a seat at the table and they will basically validate your abilities to take it to the next level. You know, I love that because not everybody understands that you really need to earn a sponsor. You can't just approach someone as you might do successfully with a mentor. So let's talk a little bit. And let me also mention to the global listening audience, you, Terrence, are a rock star. And and I say that with such joy in my heart. You're top 40, under 40 in New York. You've been named the star of Brooklyn and you've excelled in government and you're a well-respected community leader. So you've worked extraordinarily hard to earn these accolades. Is that how sponsors found you? Well, actually, I have a funny story about that, how, about how I got my first sponsor. So I work for the greatest city in the whole world. I know I'm biased. I work for the city of New York, and I love being a public servant. And I'll talk a little bit more about that later on. But uh, one day, I'm, I'm a huge Yankees fan. The Yankees won the World Series. So uh, as a city employee, you are able to volunteer uh, and just help out organize the parade. And I was assigned to a team. And there was a woman there who I kind of heard about. She used to work at the mayor's office of operations. And we just hit it off. And I remember thinking to myself, I would love to work for her. She was amazing. She was dynamic. She's a type of person that you could learn from. So uh, we kind of kept in touch afterwards. And about a year later, I was working at uh, Do It, which is the Department of Information Technology and Telecommunications. And they got a new commissioner. And guess who it was? And I, I couldn't believe it. So I immediately start emailing her and I'm like, she's not going to respond. She's a commissioner now. And sure enough, she wrote back, hi, Terrence, how are you? And she was my sponsor. 
And I had people that were in, quote unquote, the big room of all of the deputy commissioners. And I would get feedback that, you know, she would praise me and say, Terrence is great. We should consider him for this opportunity. We should consider him for that opportunity. And I'd say this story to say, like, it doesn't have to be a necessarily formalized process. Um, Sometimes it just happens organically. But there are times when, you know, that doesn't happen. And you have to figure out strategically What are the person's interests? Some people say, like, I'm going to identify a sponsor. This is a person that I want to help, that that I hope will be able to help me. What type of interests do they have? Do they have similar interests to you? Uh, Do do you have people in the same network? I'm a big fan of LinkedIn, so I'm always checking out LinkedIn to see who's in my network and who can make those critical connections to help get me to the next level. So, Terrence, have you been able to pay it forward and sponsor others who are up and coming in their career? Yes. Um, One of the things that I did, um, I always tell people that the best way that you can help and give back is to provide people with opportunities that you didn't have. Um, So I'm a proud alum of Brooklyn College and um, Indiana Mauer School of Law. Uh, Indiana Mauer School of Law is a great law school. It's a top 10 law school. Um, I wanted to make sure that people had the same opportunity that I did, but an enhanced version of that. So I was fortunate enough, or I am fortunate enough, I should say, to have really great relationships with the president of Brooklyn College, as well as the dean of Mara School of Law. And one of the things that I proposed to them towards late last year was to create a strategic partnership between both organizations that would provide scholarship and mentoring opportunities to students. So we you know, sat down, put together a legal agreement. Um, the dean of the law school came out and spoke to Brooklyn College students. We hosted a luncheon. And I'm proud to say that for this incoming class in September, two Brooklyn College students have received scholarships and guaranteed mentorship opportunities. And I feel so proud to know that I had a role in assisting them take it to the next level. That's awesome. Well done. Well done. And as a, as a fellow Indiana University alumna, I am cheering you on all the way. That's terrific. Thanks. So let's, let's use that as a point of departure, Terrence, because so many individuals, not only newly minted grads, whether it's undergrad or law school or any number of academic experiences, change career paths, right? They get out in the world and they say, you know what? Been there, done that, or I don't like this anymore and mm-hmm. I want to do something different. So exactly. tell me, how would you start the process of, of transitioning from one field to another? And how do you convince the new employer that you're a worthy hire? Well, again, that's one of the most critical things that people are looking at in the industry right now, regardless of what industry it is. How do you transition seamlessly from one um, industry to the other? And the first thing that you need to do is you need to do a self-assessment. And that's one of the most difficult things you can do. What am I good at? What do I bring to the table? You might think you're good at A, but if you have a conversation with the people that are closest to you, your network, you might realize that you're actually good in B, C, and D. Once you've done the self-assessment, you need to network. And I've heard so much about networking and we're all kind of over networking. But honestly, networking is really still time, time and time again, the best way to transition into industries. So for example, if you're in energy and you want to transition into housing, that's a pretty big jump. How are you going to do that? Again, you're going to have to go to the some of these events. What are the major national or local housing industries uh, in your area? You need to go to those. And people are going to look at you and say, well, if you're in this industry, why do you want to do this? And you can either volunteer You can serve on panels. You can do the types of things that kind of put you out of your comfort zone because it's 
it's very easy to say that you want to transition, but it's very difficult to put the work in. Sometimes it starts with something as simple as giving yourself permission to believe that you can make that transition because you have to convince yourself first before you can convince others. So that's one of the things I've done. Um, I've been really lucky. And this is why I love working for public service. Uh, I've worked in five separate industries while working um, in city government. So I've worked in politics, I've worked in media, I've worked in technology, procurement, and now I'm doing housing. And every single time, I found that there's a core group of skills that I have that cut across all industries. So for me, that's government in um, operations, the ability to streamline an operation, the ability to look at an operation from soup to nuts, enhance what's strong and reduce or diminish or eliminate what's weak. Those, that's the type of thing that you need to do. What are the core things, core, core skills that you have? Bring that to the table and that will be a key way that you can influence others to transition into the industry that you aspire. Well, my career coaching heart is just brimming. That was fantastic, Terrence. I couldn't agree more. And I really appreciate your very strategic and specific ideas about networking, right? It's not just connecting with people online, although LinkedIn is an amazing resource, but getting yes. to know them and understanding those transferable skills. Let's break it down a little more because you earned a JD and you very yes. purposely decided to use your law degree in, in a very different way. And you and I are in, in full agreement that lawyers, trained lawyers, have critical thinking skills. They write exactly. well. They understand how to synthesize complex ideas and make them manageable for, for non-lawyers or non-JDs. Why are transferable skills so important? At the end of the day, if I'm going to take the risk as an employer, you have a finite amount of resources. I always tell people, put yourself in the employer's position. They have a finite amount of resources. They had maybe four spots that they were able to get. They had to appeal to their finance department to get the funding, and they want to make sure if they take the risk on you that it's going to pay dividends. They want to know that it's going to pay off long term. So if I'm, it, it's, and this is why people struggle, it's much easier for me to choose somebody that's already in that industry because it's easier for them to hit the ground running, quote unquote. So if you have transferable skills, that's the easiest way to make that transition. And as I tell people, regardless of if you're new to an industry or your season, we all have certain skills. If you're in graduate school and you were a strong writer, that cuts across every single industry. Strong writing is a key component to advancing your career. Also now, in this digital era, communication on multiple platforms is key to your advancement. So identify your transferable skills and develop them. Develop, 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 and that's how you'll be able to advance. Love it. Talk to me a little bit, Terrence, about the benefits of public service, because you have reinvented yourself and you talk about the versatility, excuse me, of the public service sector. And as you mentioned, uh, you've worked in five industries, politics, media, technology, procurement, and now housing. So entice people to consider public service. What don't they know? I think Unfortunately, and I'm not trying to blame the media here, there are always these stereotypes about public servants. And I proudly proclaim myself as Mr. Public, Ser uh, Mr. public Servant. I love it. There are all these negative, stereo uh, negative stereotypes about them. But if you really, 
really want to make an impact, there's no better way that you can impact your community than serving the public. And one of the things that I like is I speak at different organizations and I do a little, a lot of outreach with the millennial uh, community and they're so engaged. Yes, a lot of them are going into the digital world, they're going into the tech world, but I'm so pleasantly surprised by how many of them are choosing public service because they want to make an impact. The best way that you can change your community is to get involved. You have the ability as an educated individual to go into public service and radically transform how services are distributed and allocated in your community. There's no better way to make an impact than public service. I love hearing you say that, Terrence, and I will tell you as a, as a coach, I work with people all over the, the world, and so many people are just starving for meaning and purpose. And what you shared is that public services is a great sector to consider because you're literally making change happen and you're impacting people. Thank you. I completely agree with that. And I know I I made a decision earlier on that, I mean, I want to say at the onset of my career, that I was going to be a public servant from now until the day I retire. And I love it because they're constantly new challenges. uh, uh, um, I always listen to my elders, and I always say that jokingly, but it's true. Um, Mayors will come and go, administrations will come and go, but the mission will always be the same. And the mission is to provide your municipality, your state, whether it's the federal government, with the key services that your community needs to succeed and thrive. And if you can play a role in that, no matter how big or small, you're going to feel a level of fulfillment that you've never felt before. And I understand, like, when you start off in any industry, you're going to say, well, there's bureaucracy, there's this, there's this rule, there's that rule. But what I've discovered is the truly specialized professional, the professionals that you look back and say, how did they do that? They're the ones that embrace the challenge. It's very easy to start a job and say, there are all these rules. I'll never get it done. I won't be able to do this. I won't be able to do that. But if you accept the challenge and you really drill down on what the goal is and what the challenge is, you'll find a level of fulfillment I don't think you can find anywhere else. Totally agree. So, Terrence, as we wrap up, I'd love to hear your take on leadership because you have become an extraordinary leader, and I know you're coaching others to be successful leaders. What's your secret sauce for for being a great leader? Um, there actually is no special sauce. It was basically what my mom told me. Um, she's my hero. Um, she always said, basically, give people the resources that they need to succeed. So, for example, in my current role right now, um, I work at, uh, the, at New York City's housing agency, and I love what I do. Uh, I'm the director of continued occupancy, and we oversee the day-to-day administration for the Section 8 program. So affordable housing is something that's really key. And the way that I displayed my leadership ability is by empowering my team. So I oversee over 100 people. And I I remember, um, and I'm going to veer off slightly, I remember what my sponsor told me. Um, When I got the job, I was really nervous. And I said, I'm going to be overseeing over 100 people. How the heck am I going to do this? And he said, sit down, step back, breathe. And I was always told, and I believe this firmly, worrying is a wasted emotion. So remember this. Basically, you are not overseeing 100 people. And I said, but I am overseeing 100 people. He said, no, you're not. He said, you are overseeing your direct reports. How many direct reports do you have? 
I said, seven, your job is to manage those seven people efficiently and make sure that they're doing what they need to do to achieve the overall goal of the unit. If you do that, the 100 plus people in your unit will be managed effectively. So once I realized that, I said, wow, you know, there's a big difference between seven people and over 100 people. And that's how I was kind of able to do it. So then it was a matter of getting the buy-in. So I remember thinking, I said, well, how am I going to get the buy-in? I walked in there and I said, you know what? If I come in there as the guy with the nice suit and I said, you know, I'm going str- uh, to streamline this and I'm going to lead this strategic initiative and I'm going to lead that strategic initiative, I'm not going to get anything done. So one of the things I did was it took me over two months to do it. I had check-ins with all of my staff. And I had an Excel spreadsheet, which outlined all of the issues that they identified. I told them, look, I'm new here. You guys know this operation better than I do. So help me to give you the resources that you need to succeed. And I put together my huge Excel uh, spreadsheet and I followed up with them time and time again. And I got the buy-in. And we've been able to do wonderful things um, on a technology front, on a work front. And the other thing, as far as leadership, if you really want to be a dynamic leader, find out what your team wants. I know that you know this. Statistics have proven that what really motivates employees, surprisingly, is not money. What motivates people is that you understand who they are and what their goals are. So when I sit in with my, when I sit in with my team, I say to them, well, what do you, where do you see yourself in the next five years? And what can I do to help you to get there? Is there training that I can give you? Um, Is there software that you have never been exposed to? Are you interested in a special project? And this is the easiest thing that I think a lot of leaders always forget. Praise your staff. When they do good, praise them. And I'm not saying just that kind of generic, oh, you did a great job. I mean, really praise them. Um, I constantly challenge my team and time and time again, they make me proud. They always over, uh, they over excel. Um, I remember giving them challenges and they look at me like, Terrence, I really don't know if we can pull this off. And I tell them, I believe in you. And they do it. So that's really my special secret, quote unquote, is I believe in my team and I give them the resources that they need to succeed. Well, Terrence, you are an inspiration, and I am so grateful that you shared your wisdom and expertise on your working life today. And I wish you continued success, and I thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you so much. If you like the show, subscribe on iTunes or SoundCloud, and even better, leave us a review and let us know what career-related questions you have so we can address them on a future show. You can tweet me at cdowdhiggins or send me an email at caroline at carolinedowdhiggins.com. I'm Caroline Dowd Higgins. Take good care.